Hello and welcome to Pinot and Perfume. I am your host, Sarah Chacon, and today I am drinking a little Chardonnay. It is uh, a 2014 Sonoma Coast Chardonnay by Anaba Wines. And I don't know if I am pronouncing that right, but you guys know the drill by now. I, uh, I murder names. So about the winery, um, actually, yeah, about the winery. In 2009, Anaba became the first winery in Northern California to utilize wind power. Its 45-foot wind turbine generates electricity for the tasting room, wine storage facility, offices, and irrigation pumps. And the name Anaba originates from cool, upward-flowing anabotic winds that soar and swirl through its sustainably farmed Carneros Estate vineyards. A little bit about the wine. It's... Um, the, this expression of Chardonnay from the Sonoma Coast, Ava, is beautifully balanced with bright, crisp flavors and a perfect backbone of baking spices and toasted oak. Don't get used to these in-depth wine descriptions. Uh, this was actually part of a uh, vendor gift that wasn't even addressed to me. It was addressed to my coworker, but she was uh, very nice, and there were three bottles of wine and three media buyers at the time, and so she let us each choose a bottle. And it came, I think it's part of one of these like wine clubs, Winestyr, W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R. And um, it came with a little description of each about the vineyard it comes from, the type of wine it is, and and everything like that, which is kind of cool. But so that's what I'm drinking right now. Uh, can we talk about this whole obsession with dewy skin and with glass skin? So I thought glass skin was, for some reason, I thought it was synonymous with like mannequin skin, like you want skin that's so smooth that you can't see pores, that it just looks perfect. But apparently glass skin is a trend that originated in Korea. And it's skin that's like so moisturized, so dewy, so reflective that it's like glass. And I'm trying to figure out what the... I guess obsession with that is like why that's attractive because as someone with naturally oily skin I've been rocking the dewy look my whole life and instead of looking like dewy I look sweaty and I don't know why what why is that attractive I know a little bit of moisture helps because it makes you look healthy and plump and all of that but why do you want to look so moisturized that you look dipped in Vaseline or that I could see myself well enough in your face to you know touch up my makeup or do my hair can someone shine a light on that? Because that to me, that's, I mean, I'm kind of flattered because like, I feel like I've been ahead of this trend since I was, since I hit puberty really. Um, but I, it just, it's just something weird that I don't get. Like if you like, you know, cause growing up with oily skin, you're always doing shine control. I've got like a little a pack of those stupid blotter sheets in my purse as we speak. Um, I remember growing up my friend would carry her little pressed powder in her purse, especially on school picture day, so she could touch up. I feel like I'm forever battling the shine, and there are people out there who are embracing it, which it just blows my mind because I think of shine on my face, and I don't think of dewy and hydrated and moisturized. I think of greasy and oily, and I need to wash my face. So times have changed. I'm not too mad about it. I'm just confused by it, but I guess I should just embrace it because I am on trend for the first time in my life and it's natural my oily AF skin 
Anyway, that is what I have for you today in terms of banter. It's been a weird week. Actually, no, I don't have that. I have a little bit more. Um, no, it's been a, just a weird week. I'm getting this episode out late because I have been trying to double down and losing weight and saving money, just really trying to put my best foot forward. So I, ha- I have made a pact to cook almost all of my meals and only eat out if necessary or, you know, trying to cut back on my eating out. So I have been, this week's just been a weird week. We've had vendor visits. Um, They took us, one vendor took us axe throwing for the first time, which was hella fun. I kind of want to join a league, not going to lie. I'm kind of pretty good at it too, which I'm not going to lie. It helps enhance my enjoyment of it because I'm not an athletic person. I mean, yes, I run, but I'm not very good at running. I played softball and I was okay at softball, but in little league, but when I made the team for middle school, I was actually kind of terrible at it, especially since it was fast pitch. I just swung late every single time. I choked up and couldn't catch the ball. Revisiting softball and playing on an, an adult league, I'm pretty bad at it. Swimming, I can swim, but again, I'm not a Michael Phelps. So I just don't, you know, I'm not, I'm just not that athletic in nature. Um, CrossFit, I'm okay at. I'm okay at. I I can squat like a son of a bitch, but it's not like I'm never gonna be an elite. But axe throwing, I don't know if I'll be an elite, but I got a knack for it, and that's fun. But yeah, so it's just I've been staying up later than normal, um, trying to cook meals, um, bringing in leftovers for lunch, and my sleep has improved. So I don't know. If, I don't. I don't. I never said anything about this, but I I have sleep apnea, so diagnosed with it at the end of last year. I'm on a CPAP machine. I finally invested in a new pillow because my other pillows were crap and my neck was hurting and my back was hurting. And I finally got my new pillow adjusted just how I like it. It's one of those pillows where you can take stuffing out and remove um, or put stuffing back in. So I've got it to the perfect fluffiness level and I'm getting, and my CPAPs, uh, you know, is helping me breathe easier at night. And so with those two things combined, I'm sleeping better, but I'm going to bed later, but I'm feeling it more because I'm not getting as much sleep and I'm waking up early and it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a struggle. So now that I'm sleeping better, I've got to remember to go to sleep earlier because when I wasn't sleeping all that well, I could wake up early, which sounds weird, but I could wake up early and be like, well, I'm up, might as well, you know, work out or do whatever. And I've still worked out this week, but it hasn't been to my schedule like how I how I typically like it and I've been staying up later because I've been cooking like I said I've been trying to make uh, my most of my meals at home and eat healthier so yeah so that's why a long story short that's why this episode's late this week apologies but I'm still gonna get it out on Friday and honestly it happens so I'll stop rambling now and we can get into scent of the week So this week for the scent of the week, I am wearing No No Notorious. That is Notorious by Ralph Lauren. Did I spend about five minutes looking for a stupid soundbite of that song from Biggie uh, Smalls? Yes, I did. Did I find it? No, I did not. So I just did it myself. Hashtag DIY. Um, anyway, so this was a fragrance. I've had it for years. It came out in 2008, which sounds about right. I, I think I bought it around that time. 
And um, the description is from Ralph Lauren, this glamorous and provocative fragrance was created for a woman who commands attention. The intrigue and mystery of a heroine from a film noir are captured in this blend of deep black currant, decadent chocolate, and sensual patchouli musk. The notes, going into the notes, according to base notes, the top notes are black currant, pink peppercorn and bergamot, heart notes or chocolate cosmos, white frost peonies and carnation, and the base notes are patchouli musk, vanilla, and iris. And it is no longer being produced, it's no longer being produced, but you can find it um, through discount retailers, uh, perfume.com, fragrance x, both have it, walmart.com has it. Um, the pricing for the 1.7 ounce is it varies on perfume.com, it's $39.69. Fragrance X, it's $40.54. Walmart, it's $41.12. So you just got to shop around. I don't know what size I have. I know I got it in a gift box, gift box, uh, a gift set um, with, I think it came with a lotion. And I remember I just, I didn't know anything about the fragrance. Like I said, I didn't really start paying attention to like fragrance stories and fragrance backgrounds and why a fragrance was created and who created it until I started this podcast. And it's been super interesting. And I kind of wish I would have done a little bit more research on different fragrances earlier, but here we go. And apparently, I so I didn't know that this was supposed to be reminiscent of like an old school, like silent movie, um, silent movie actress, or even like not even a silent film actress, but just um, like an old school film from like the 40s, 50s, 60s. It is, the bottle is pretty art deco in nature, which kind of makes sense. And it's weird because I remember smelling this at the mall. And at first, like I wasn't, it was one of those scents, like, it's quite mature. Like, in 2008, to give you some perspective, I was 25 years old and bought this. And this smells a little bit more mature than what I typically went for at the time. My taste in fragrance, I really liked sweet. I really liked clean. Anything that smelled like the beach or coconut, I was down for. My One of my favorite perfumes at that time was uh, G uh, from Gwen Stefani and the Harajuku Lovers perfume line, if you remember those, with the little dolls on top as the lids. And so this was quite a different take on what I normally wore. But I liked it. It was intriguing. It intrigued me enough to buy it. And I have been working on it ever since. I even got my friend Megan turned on to it too. I don't know if she still has hers or if she already used it up. Um, not everybody is as weird about fragrances as I, as I am and wants to buy a shit ton of the, of them so they have variety, uh, but um, most of them are normal and they use up a fragrance after they get it and before buying another one, as probably makes sense. But I still have mine. I, I have about, I'm almost halfway through. I've, I've used up about a quarter of the bottle. I've made quite a dent in it since I started doing my fragrance of the week and rotating through each a different fragrance, different fragrance each week. So on me... It smells like a soapy floral, soapy white floral, which sounds weird, but I don't get the chocolate. I get floral and I get, I get a little bit of the vanilla and the musk, but I like it. But apparently this is a very polarizing scent on uh, Fragrantica. Well, it depends on where you look. Fragrantica, it's got a three-star rating and that's with 649 votes, base notes, 
what do they have it? They have a three-star rating based on 89 notes. People either love it or hate it. On the Parfumo app, there's only five reviews, but I think one of them is positive. The rest of them said that they were very disappointed. It's not what they imagined a, a silent film actress or a film noir actress to wear. That part's a little subjective. You know, I mean, if you say this is based on a film noir actress, you can't, everybody's impression of what a different actress would wear is is completely different. So take that for what it's worth. But I like it. I think the sillage is okay. I think you could get a good sillage about an hour or two after spraying it. But the longevity is not bad. Longevity, it lasts all day. It lasts through a work day. I don't feel a need to touch up unless I'm wearing uh, long sleeves. So yesterday I wore a cardigan by the end of the day, the scent was pretty much gone. But when I wear uh, short sleeves or sleeveless, it's pretty much on all day and I'll get a whiff here and there. But it's very, very polarizing. And uh, just to give you a little bit of uh, a snippet of the reviews, um, you you can kind of see. Um, the first review on base notes definitely hits the nail on the head. Um, Notorious by Ralph Lauren is one of those perfumes that everyone can love or hate it. But my opinion, this is a privilege for this kind of perfumes for, for one reason. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. But they love Notorious. Uh, they think it represents the essence of femininity. And it's seductive. And um, it's great. Uh, the way <laughs> the review right underneath that says that it opens with a weird pinched sour core that ought to be repellent. But instead manages to fascinate. It's a bit like a freeway crack up. Awful, but you just can't keep from staring. Um, somebody uh, commented that it's initially wet and fruity vanilla powder with some aquatic flowers in the mix and a cool, musky, balmy dry down. Um, they think it smells more like an oriental than gourmand because it had chocolate as one of the notes. I agree. I don't, I would say oriental or floral. I don't smell the chocolate. I don't know where they're getting the chocolate from. Um, so I don't, I would not consider um, this at all gourmand or like you could eat it. Um, somebody called it pleasant but forgettable. <laughs> and so you kind of, you kind of get it. Um I'm one, I'm in the camp that I love it. I should say this is a perfume that's marketed toward women and um, not to, but if you're a guy and that sounds good for you, you can buy it cheap nowadays as it's been discontinued. I I think it was part of the romance collection, but I don't, I read that somewhere, but I don't think so. I think Parfume said that, Parfumo said that, but I don't, I don't think that's part of, I don't think it's part of the, the remake. It's not a romance flanker. But it's it's a scent that's it's good. Obviously, I probably wouldn't buy it again after I um, use this one up. I, I it smells different than all the other scents that I have. I like it. I think it is um, it's good if you want to smell grown up. If you want to be a little bit alluring and seductive, it's definitely not um, a younger. Not saying that younger people can't smell like this or can't wear it, but you know, you think of a. A fragrance that's aimed toward a younger audience, like any of the celebrity fragrances, you know, Taylor Swift, uh, Justin Bieber, Aqualina Pink Sugar. And this is not, this does not fall into the categories. But again, I think it's quite nice. Um, I don't know how long it was in production before it was discontinued, but it's great. I mean, again, it's not bad for a, for a floral. And, um, 
there's that. I don't really have much else to say. I don't, I guess, I guess that one reviewer is kind of right. Like it's not, it's pleasant, but it doesn't make a lasting impression. Like it's not like a, a black orchid. A black orchid is my standard because I fell in love with that. Not immediately, which was weird, but pretty damn shortly thereafter. And that I can bring that I have uh, strong feelings attached to it. I think of it and I bring it up. Um, Notorious is is good. You know, it's it's good. It's nice for the spring. Um, you can wear it during the day. You can wear it out at night. It just depends. If you just want, if you want to, if you're curious to to buy it, you can get it for cheap. Like I said, the the siage is is okay, but the projection is pretty. De- I mean, not the projection. The longevity is pretty decent. But yeah, it's a it's a scent. It's not. It's not anything to write home about, but it's not terrible. I mean, I enjoy it. I'm enjoying wearing it. And um, like I said, but once I use it up, I will probably not get another one. If you have read, read, if you have uh, worn this perfume, let me know what you think. And um, if you would buy it again, if it's your favorite, if it's your signature scent, let me know. So this week in fragrance in the news, it's kind of a slow news week. So both of our stories involve celebrities launching fragrances. The first one is Michelle Pfeiffer actually debuted her fragrance, um, new fragrance line on Monday. Um, Her fragrance line is named Henry Rose. It's 100% transparent. Um, There are sources that are reporting that it's the first fragrance to be 100% transparent. Not true. I know Fleur was out long before Michelle Pfeiffer released her scent, uh, released her line, and I'm sure that there's a few others too. I want to say the Clean Reserve is probably another one. There's a bunch of clean um, perfume lines out there that are very 100% transparent about their ingredients, but um, apparently it is the first fine fragrance line to receive the distinction of Environmental Working Group verified and Cradle to Cradle certified at the gold level, and it's got a material health score of platinum. So if wearing, uh, if you're concerned about what's in your fragrance and you want to wear fragrances that are labeled as quote unquote clean, then this might be something worth checking out. Michelle Pfeiffer uh, said that she started looking more to like what's in the products that she uses uh, when her kids are born and she loved fine fragrance, but you know, the perfume industry is not transparent about what they put in their fragrances. I come from a standpoint, not because they're putting in toxic ingredients because they legally can't do that, but they do it to protect, uh, to protect trade secrets. So if you look at the ingredient list of any perfume, any mainstream perfume anyway, you're going to see an ingredient labeled fragrance. And that's because, you know, they want to protect their creations. They don't want to lay everything out there so a competitor can, can go and reformulate it and maybe do a better job or do a cheaper, cheaper dot cheaper job and reap the rewards you know a lot of and you think about all of the iconic perfumes out there they are linked to one house so you have Chanel number five you know they're not going to tell you what's in that perfume because then it's not it wouldn't be as if anybody can make Chanel number five it wouldn't be as an iconic of a scent same thing with Jean-Paul Gaultier's Les Mail another big one you know Ralph Lauren Romance all these scents that you grow up with and that are just have cemented themselves into, you know, fragrance history, of course, they're not going to disclose their, uh, what's in them. But 
anyway, that's a whole tangent. But if you want to know exactly what's in your perfume, she her line just did debut. It's called Henry Rose. And um, be prepared to pay some money. Uh, perfume, typically that is kind of an expensive accessory anyway. Uh, some are cheaper than others. Hers are all priced at $120 for 50 milliliters. And she has Last Night, which is labeled as Smooth. Excuse me, she has Torn, which is labeled as Warm. Dark as Night, which is Sensual. Fog, which is Fresh. And Jake's House, which is Clean. The name Henry Rose comes from the middle names of her kids. And it's supposed to be kind of genderless and inclusive. As you can tell, Henry, the male name. Rose, the female name. And the bottles are very pretty. I like, it's very, um, it's a cleanly designed bottle, but it's still very elegant. Um, just to go over some of the descriptions, the last light, I think I said last night, sorry, last light, you got fresh, this is the smooth one, fresh floral notes come together with musk and patchouli to create a smooth woody effect. Torn. That one is the richest of vanilla bean blends with the earthiness of vetiver roots to create an aroma that's both spicy and floral. Dark is night. The woodiness of patchouli blends with the richness of vanilla bean for a decadent, decadent finish. Fog. The lightness of vetiver wood is cut with a soft musk to create a perfectly balanced freshness. Damn, they love vetiver in this line. And then Jake's house. Watery clean freshness encounters honey neroli for a light and clean musky finish. So they love musk. They love vetiver. Um, they, there is a spot on their site where you can see all their ingredients. They have free standard shipping on all orders over $75. So if this sounds intriguing to you, you can go to the website, henryrose.com and shop around, read about the brand. Um, you can also do a Google search. There's a ton of press about this new line. And I got to say, Michelle Pfeiffer, she looks amazing. I don't know how old she is, but she looks freaking amazing. And she looks naturally amazing. Like not saying that she hasn't dabbled in Botox here and there, but if you look at this image of her. This is on uh, wmagazine.com for this particular story. It's a close-up and she's clasping her hands and her, and I'm sure some of it's photoshopped, I know, but even like under her eyes, you can tell that she's got probably some crow's feet and a little, little wrinkly, but she still looks good. Like she's aging so gracefully and I want to look like, I want to be like that when I get older because she just, she still has it. Like she's been, she's always been beautiful, but she just looks even she just still looks amazing at her age. She's aged very gracefully. And um, yeah, so that's her new line. The other one is Ariana Grande. She is releasing a perfume and beauty product uh, line called Thank You Next, which, you know, you got to capitalize on the popularity of that song. Everybody knows it. Why not? But apparently on uh, April 2nd, she filed for a trademark, uh, according to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, um, uh, the trademark for Thank You Next, and that covers perfumes, body care products, bath body lotion, shower gels, et cetera, et cetera. So it's still new. Nobody knows if there's going to be a whole line of beauty products or if it's going to be just a single fragrance and maybe later on come out with some bath and body stuff. 
Who knows? But that's on the docket. At least she's got some plans for it. At least it's trademarked. So at some point, that's going to come out. Probably sooner rather than later because you got to capitalize on this hot song. You know, I mean, before it becomes irrelevant. So be on the lookout for that. If you like Ariana Grande stuff, this is just another one. And that's it. Like I said, it's a slow news week. Last week had a lot more interesting things, but this week it's kind of... But anyway, are you interested at all in either of these two uh, new perfumes, these two new perfume lines? Let me know. All right. So continuing on our journey of how a perfume is made, we're going to cover today how it's actually made from how, you know, from the conception to winning a contract. So like all good business ideas, um, if a brand, let's say, I think the uh, example that How Stuff Works used is Gucci. So let's say Gucci wants to come out with a new perfume. It will write up what is called a brief. The brief will describe the perfume in terms of the emotions it wants to evoke. So if they want it to evoke um, a walk in the park or a day at the beach. Very, very subjective, it turns out. Um, but basically what they want it to say to this to the um the consumer. So do they want it to be classy? Do they want it to be um playful? You know, do they want it to be sensual? This is all in, in the brief. It also goes over what audience it wants to target, where it will be sold, you know, US, China, Europe wherever. Once that brief is done, it will get mailed to several perfume houses. And what a perfume house is, and I thought perfume houses were part of the actual brand. These are actually independent um, operators. They employ chemists and perfumers. Perfumers will create the perfume. um, And basically it'll go to the chemist to kind of make out molecules and everything. But a perfume house employs the perfumers and the chemists to create the perfume and they also have like thousands upon thousands of ingredients both natural and synthetic so everything from you know maybe a flower oil to a chemically mixed note that smells like leather or cigarette smoke you'll find it at a perfume house the chemists there's two types of chemists that are one is employed one type is employed to actually pinpoint pinpoint the notes in an unknown liquid. Um, So kind of figure out what molecules are in an unknown substance. And that is done through a method called gas chromatography mass spectrometry or GCMS. I didn't go into how that worked. Um, You can look that up on your own, but that is what they use to kind of um, pinpoint each individual molecule in a smell. And then a different kind of chemist will build out those actual molecules, kind of creating everything from scratch. Um, so, <clears throat> and I think the, the chemists who actually build out the molecules are synthetic chemists. And then the analytical, analytical chemists are the ones who figure out what molecules are make up, make up a scent, make up a smell. Um, So when the perfumer gets this brief from the brand, you know, in this case, let's say it's Gucci, um, they think about the notes that would evoke whatever the description is. So if they want, like, again, the example that 
HowStuffWorks.com is a sunrise in Thailand. So they think of what would a sunrise in Thailand smell like? And they'll make up a list of ingredients. It might be coconut, it might be lime, it might be a spicy, it might be maybe kind of floral, who knows, but they'll write that those ingredients down. And then they'll procure those ingredients. So ingredients in a perfume house can be sourced directly from like farmers um, or it can be sourced from firms who do all the legwork in getting the actual uh, ingredients and then mailing it to the perfume houses. Sometimes depending on what the smell is in the example from How Stuff Works, papaya is an ingredient in this particular hypothetical perfume. So what they would do is they would procure like a papaya, an actual papaya, put it in a jar, and then use that GCMS uh, method, method that I just mentioned to vacuum out the smell for like up to eight hours. And then they would that would be packaged in samples that would go back to the fragrance house where the chemists will proceed to figure out what molecules are in that um, smell and then to make it from scratch, which is crazy to me. I can't imagine smelling something and figuring out exactly like what molecules make up the scent of papaya. And then trying to recreate that synthetically, that just blows my mind. But that's what it's done. And so that kind of makes sense because when I smell... I smelled a Tom Ford fragrance that had leather. I don't know if that was ombre leather. It could have been ombre leather. But it smelled damn near close to leather. And so they would have had to have done that via this method. Because there's no, you know, to make it like a scent of um, maybe like a leather handbag or just a piece of, of fragrant leather. They would have had to have like vacuumed out that smell. Figure out what makes that smell. And then recreate it. And that makes sense because it smelled just like leather, which it's that's crazy to me. That takes an immense amount of talent. It's like making a perfume of what I'm understanding is it's like part science and part art because it is very subjective. Like if a, per, if a, a perfume or a house, a brand wants says, you know, they're they're essentially telling them they want a perfume that smells like a Thai sunrise what the hell does that smell smell like that's up to the fragrance house and the perfumers and the chemists to figure out what that's supposed to smell like and that's where the art comes in and then you have trying to actually get those ingredients and recreating them if necessary that's where the science comes in that's crazy so anyway, once the ingredients are decided upon, um, they make the perfume by a process called mixing. And so the perfumer will write out instructions for the chemi- chemists to mix the perfume. And there's they mix different versions. And each version has a different ratio of ingredients. And it could be between 10 to 100 versions. And then those versions are screened by specialists and then the best of the best go to the brand who contracted the perfume or hasn't contracted yet is wanting the perfume so the on the brand's end they will test out test out different versions they'll dismiss some that completely miss the point of what they're trying to evoke with this fragrance and then they may ask for modifications of others so they may like one but maybe they think in this particular example of a thai sunrise that the coconut's too strong or maybe the the lime is too is too weak, so they'll ask the perfume houses to tweak the samples. 
And that's what they will do. So they'll rework the perfumes. They'll swap in ingredients that are economical, long-lasting, and safe. I can't emphasize that enough for all, all the people who are so worried about fragrances not disclosing what's in their ingredients, not disclosing the exact formula and what is contained in their perfumes because they think it's more it's, it's a, for a nefarious reason. It's not. Everything that goes in your perfume is absolutely safe. The reason, and this is also backed up by how stuff works, which we'll get into in a second, is to protect, again, it's a trade secret. So I'll get off that high horse. Um, so anyway, they will test out the versions, they'll swap out ingredients, and then they'll test on consumers and kind of ask them what they think. And then they'll, they'll compare the ratings from those tests to maybe a top, com- like a competitor's perfume that's kind of similar. Um, that would be con- that could be considered a competitor, and then they'll send all that info back to the brand. And then once the brand re- reviews that information, and again they're sending the brief out to multiple fragrance houses, so they're not just getting samples from one; they're getting samples from you know five, ten, however many that they mailed out. And so they're going through all this information, all this back and forth, and after re- reviewing everything. The brand will choose a perfume that they like the best that matches what most closely what they put in their brief. And then that perfume house will win a contract. And uh, the perfume house will sell the fragrance concentrate to the brand at an agreed upon price until the perfume goes out of production. And the concentrate can come in amounts up to one ton drums, which is a lot. And this is interesting, nobody but the perfumer and the colleagues, so perfumer and chemists who develop this formula, know the exact formula. Even the brand who's contracting this perfume out doesn't know what's in the perfume. So like Ralph, so Ralph Lauren doesn't know what's in, doesn't know the exact formula of romance. Uh, Gucci Guilty doesn't know, or Gucci doesn't know the exact formula of Guilty and so on and so forth. So all of these iconic um, fragrances, the brands, the brand names that are on them, they don't know. It's only the creators who know what's in the formula. And it's because it's to protect it. So this is, I'm reading this directly from HowStuffWorks.com. Historically, perfume formulas have been trade secrets. It's because, it's because perfumes are hard to protect. Copyrights only protect the ingredient lists. A knockoff artist can simply reorder or rename the ingredients. Patents are published publicly so imitators can read the formula, copy and slip through a loophole by changing one ratio or ingredient. Trademarks work, but so far, few companies have used them for smells. So that's why, I mean, again, especially in today's advanced technology, you know, a knockoff house can probably take a sample of a top selling perfume and work out what molecules are in it and this, that, and the other, and then kind of rework it to where it's not the exact formula because that would be illegal, but very close. But that's why when you look on perfume labels and under the ingredients, it'll say like alcohol and water and then fragrance because you know, they don't want you being able to do an exact replication of a perfume. Um, and that, and so it's not anything because they have toxins and it's bad for you. It's just, it's business decision. It's a business decision. It is anything that's sold mainstream has to be safe. It has to be like, it wouldn't be approved by the FDA. It wouldn't be able to be sold if it was not safe. So 
all of these fear-mongering, you know, clean perfumes, clean beauty, this, that, and the other, you're not being, they're not any safer than anything that's not labeled as clean. That's, I think it's just all marketing. It's all marketing. They want your money and that's what people are concerned about nowadays. So just keep that in mind. You're not, if you, if you opt to go spritz Calvin Klein Euphoria instead of a, a perfume from a company that claims it to have clean and no toxins or no quote unquote bad chemicals, you're going to be fine. You're not going to die or come down with cancer or whatever. It's purely business. Something that's very interesting is they have a breakdown on how stuff works of like what's in your bottle in terms of that's a cost breakdown for a hundred dollars, 5.5 ounce bottle of a celebrity endorsed perfume. So if you're, so when you buy this hypothetical perfume for a hundred dollars, 5.5 ounces, which is kind of a lot because <laughs> I feel like you, that's, a, this is a good value perfume actually for five ounces because I feel like up to like three ounces, right, is is pretty uh, pretty decent. Maybe not. I'm terrible with like milliliters and ounces. But anyway, in this hypothetical ingredient, for a $100 bottle of perfume, uh, the perfume ingredients come to about two bucks. The retailer's profit comes to about 15 bucks. Retailer's overhead is about 25 bucks. Manufacturer's profit is about 15 bucks. Manufacturer's overhead is $5.00. Celebrity licensing fee is four bucks. Sales commissions six dollars. Marketing eight dollars. Packaging four dollars. Bottle six dollars. That's just in one. That's the cost breakdown for one bottle of perfume, which is why they can be pricey. And so it's not really the ingredient. The ingredients are actually. I find that's interesting. The ingredients are actually the cheapest. It's the most expensive are the overhead and profits. So it's the markups, which. Makes sense. I mean, you got to be able to make money if you're coming out with a perfume. But it's kind of interesting how cheap perfume is to make according to this cost breakdown. So that is the soup to nuts, how a perfume is made. Next week, we'll go into um, why, you know, maybe the psychology, why do we wear perfume, um, what perfumes appeal to certain people, and uh, things like that. So... I hope you find this as interesting as I do. I think it's kind of cool. And uh, we'll wrap this up next week. And that concludes today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to say hi online, you can connect with me at my blog, uh, The Snappy Scribe. That's www.thesnappyscribe.com. I do write about non-fragrance related things on there like running and cooking. Um, you can hit me up on Instagram at Snappy Scribe or on Facebook at The Snappy Scribe. If you, as always, if you have any feedback, you can message me through any one of those platforms. You can also go to Apple Podcast and rate and subscribe. And don't be a dick, but leave me constructive criticism because I'm always looking for ways to improve this podcast. And I think that's it. Um, I hope that you have a good weekend. I hope that whatever you're doing, you have fun, you're safe, and you are smelling good. Bye. Frag Chat with the Fragrance Chick is hosted, edited, and recorded by yours truly, Sarah Chacon. Theme song is Around the Bend by Evan Schaefer. <laughs>